When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I'm your host, Megan Gibson, and on today's episode, I will be joined by Dr. Denise Pope. Denise Pope is a faculty member at Stanford Graduate School of Education, and she has been on the podcast before talking about her challenge success model that she studies and speaks about. She's the author of Doing School, How We Are Creating a Generation of Stressed Out, Materialistic, and Miseducated Students, and she's also the co-author of Overloaded and Underprepared, Strategies for Stronger Schools and Healthy Successful Kids. And what I love about her research and what she talks about is just calling into question how we look at school and how we measure the success of our students and what we consider success to even look like. And I think especially during this time, during this pandemic, I have thought about her conversation with me earlier in the podcast a lot, just questioning, well, what what are our kids learning that maybe isn't what we anticipated, but they're still learning. They're still doing growth work. And we talked in this episode when my kids were just finishing up school. Now we're in the summer summer months and just kind of anticipating what school will look like in the fall. And I am not going to lie. I have a lot of anxiety about what that's going to look like and how it's going to be and wishing it was different. But there's so much comfort in what Um, Denise Pope talks about in just this challenge success model and how we can kind of try to look at it from a different perspective. And that helps comfort me in just this, all this unknown. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. And I want to give a shout out to Other World Computing, who is sponsoring this podcast. They have everything you need for your Mac from accessories to supplies to upgrades. And I want to thank them so much for their sponsorship. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much for joining me today, Denise. Yeah, thanks for having me. So just to remind the listeners, I talked to you. You were one of my very first guests on my podcast. And I actually think at that point, I was still recording on my cell phone, pushing um, speaker. And now, like, you know, toddlers know how to use Zoom connection. so. 
I, I made my way there too. Um, but thank you so much for touching base with me and talking about what we're going through right now. So I'm recording a series on COVID-19 and I just, I have talked, probably brought you up on every subsequent podcast episode that I've recorded because it's just such like an awesome thing to return to. Can you tell everybody a little bit about Challenge Success and just what the idea and the model is? Sure. Challenge Success is a nonprofit associated with Stanford Graduate School of Education. I am one of the co-founders and the point of Challenge Success and really the name Challenge Success is to challenge the very narrow definition of success that so many of us are facing, uh, particularly our kids in schools, that you have to get good grades, get good test scores, get into the best college to get to money, to get to happiness. And we're saying there are many, many ways to be successful, and those are not necessarily the ways to get there. And we are promoting particularly well-being and engagement with learning. So we work with schools and families to make changes to really promote that broader notion of success and healthier, more engaged kids. Yeah, I love it. Well, and I love the name because it kind of sums it up so well that when I can feel myself kind of spiraling onto things that aren't important or that don't matter, I can bring myself back to that. Like, okay, challenge success. What does that look like in this very moment right now? And we have a big moment right now that we're all going through. And honestly, talking to you, I don't know, years ago, um, helped me so much because it, it really is just a, a, it's not simple at all, but it's an easy reminder to kind of rein yourself in a little bit. Um, I'm just curious, like, so what are you seeing and what are you hearing from the communities that you work with right now? What are some of the issues and the struggles that people are going through with this remote learning, homeschooling, crisis schooling, whatever you want to call it? Oh, we are seeing so, so much. And it really depends on the community. We obviously there's there's communities where there are more kids who are um, living in under-resourced schools and societies where they have not every kid is available to get on internet, not every kid is available to get devices. So we're seeing the issues that come up with poverty and how the schools have to handle that. Then we're also seeing in in, in very wealthy school districts. Um, where like a school union says, guess what? Teachers are not going to be required to do synchronous learning and they're not required to get online and, and connect with kids. So it's, there's an interesting thing happening here where across districts of different levels of resources, you might have kids online all day. You might have kids never online. You might have kids everything in between, right? The one hour a day, maybe you're doing phone calls with teachers. So that's been really hard. It's hard on families. Families are really worried about, will my kid have to repeat, you know, 10th grade? Will my kid fall behind? How is my kid going to get into college now that COVID-19 has happened? So we're hearing a lot of fear on the part of parents. And then parents who are trying to work and get their kids educated, particularly parents of our younger kids, are really struggling. Um, and teachers, teachers with kids at home are really yeah. struggling. So we, we feel everywhere we turn, people are asking for help. And 
it's ironic that you said that that challenge success kind of has helped you because literally the same messages that we've been saying all along are the messages that we're saying now, right? Yes. Keep the big picture in mind. Health is the most important thing right now, right? Mental health, physical health, and really trying to get your kids engaged in learning. It doesn't have to be that they do all the work if you're struggling or they're struggling, but are they curious about something? Are they excited about something? Can they read for pleasure? Really, the messages that we're sending to teachers and kids is work on those relationships. That's the most important thing, right? And, and be curious and, and reach out. It's, it's, so I have two sisters who are teachers, and one of my sisters right at the beginning called me because she was expected to be on a Zoom call, but she has a young son. Oh, gosh, I, I think he's, I'm going to say he's four. He's young. And she was on her call. And he's in the background slamming the door. And I think she wanted me to answer my call just so she could, someone could bear witness, you know, like this is how I am teaching right now, you know, and it's just, it's so challenging. And I really, I mean, I give a major shout out to teachers who are not only figuring out their own family life, but also connecting with these kids through these screens where some kids are maybe okay with it. One, one thing I've realized about myself is these bigger Zoom calls, really what would be a children's classroom are very overstimulating to me. And imagine being a young child going through that and, and this is how you need to learn, sit in this chair. It's hard, it's a lot that they're managing and uh, I just, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. There's part of me that doesn't know how we're doing all of this, but yet we are. Yes, we are resilient creatures. Yes. And particularly, and this is a message I say all the time to parents, kids are really resilient. And, and thank goodness, right? And it's okay uh, if you are not the perfect parent because none of us are, but really now during COVID-19, if you have to turn on the television so that you can get work done, if you have to throw them the iPad, if you have to lock them out for an hour <laughs> so the four-year-old doesn't come in and, and you know interrupt your class, you have to put your own oxygen mask on first. Um, in order to get through this. And it's actually better for the kids if you find ways to self-care and exercise or, um, you know, deep breathing and meditation. And you're really modeling for them how you handle this, right? This is what, more important than the academics that the kids are learning right now, they are watching a world get through a really scary time and watching all the ways to be resilient and to cope with stress. The yeah. good, the bad, you know, all of it. Yes, yes. And it's interesting, the things, they're resilient and so creative. Like my son started doing, um, watching movies while on FaceTime with some friends. And I'm like, that's genius. You know, and it just that they're able to navigate with the tools they have and really kind of be okay with it. At least my, my kids have been so far. Um, and I, I think it's giving them an opportunity to figure out what those things are as well as us, you know, like us figure out what are those things that help us feel better. And it's funny because I feel like it's something I talk about a lot, but just kind of like, oh, I do, I like this or this helps me feel better. But this has been a time where I've really had to focus like, okay, Megan, like what are those things that, that make you feel better because they're really necessary right now. Right. And, and if you don't do them and, and, and like, if there's a, if I skip a day and I don't get outside, right. Oh boy. I feel it that night. Mm -hmm. So I know what I need for my own sanity. I know I can't be on zoom calls straight through. 
how can we imagine kids can be on Zoom calls straight through for, for their classes, right? There's just some things that we're learning about ourselves and about kids now um, that we really want these lessons to carry over when we go back to school, either remotely or not remotely, right? right? How do you use time during the day? What kind of breaks do kids and adults need? How important is, you know, breathing and, and, and exercise and taking breaks and, uh, and friendship, right? I love that your son is doing that. We, we have kids who are playing board games, like through a screen, right? Like, like you, you have your monopoly set, they have their monopoly set. And, and it's great. And also finding ways to do things offline, um, which I think is so important for kids these days. And, and there needs to be time every day for kids to see their friends online and to foster those relationships and also to get offline and unplug. Yes. And I think it, going back to resources, that can be great in some communities and really hard in other communities where you walk out the door. And so figuring out, again, how to be creative with that space and forgiving of yourself, knowing your environment, you know, knowing that it's not that easy in certain certain areas. Right. I did a, a podcast for people primarily in New York City. And the podcast people said, you know, don't talk about necessarily running around in the backyard because they don't have backyards mm. you know don't 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 assume that they will be able to get out of their building some people are literally not leaving their little apartments and can we think of ways to go offline and exercise in a small space and we yeah. came up with ideas like putting down tape for a hopscotch you know right there in your in your kitchen and putting on uh, music and having a dance party so so there I think the creativity is key here and how people are handling in their different um, areas of the country and their different circumstances. Yeah. What do you suggest for people? So I know, I've noticed with myself that my energy for getting creative and being a good role model kind of ebbs and flows. Some days I'm crushing it or crushing it, you know, and other days I'm just like, oh, this is bad. What, do you, what advice do you have for people to sort of just have some self-compassion in that instance? What, what, are, you, what are you telling people? What's your suggestion? You cannot beat yourself up, right? It, we are under so much stress. We are with our kids 24-7. Our jobs are taking over our homes, right? You, you don't have that natural stopping point, um, especially because you've had to juggle because maybe you've taken two hours to just go be with the kids and now you've got two more hours that you've got to do for your work. So, so you are going to lose it. You are going to not be super creative, wonderful mom or dad. You are going to have, you know, egos for dinner. You are going to lose your temper. You're going to not be a great road, role model. And so, like you said, self-compassion and forgive yourself. I think in the moment, in the heat of the moment, we know that taking a breath, literally stopping, taking some deep breaths is one way to de-escalate. Give yourself a timeout, Right. Guys, I'm going to leave the kitchen right now because I'm going to say something that's not going to be nice or I'm going to regret and go take that time and then come back. And I think how you handle it is you come back and you say, I am sorry. And, and, and you're modeling how you would want them to respond after they lose it, you know, or they fight with their brother or whatever. So I'm sorry. I, this stress today really got to me and here's how I handle it. And I was not my best self and I apologize. And um, and thank you for understanding, you know, and what are some ways that we can prevent getting to the boiling point next time? And it's, it's just a nice thing to model as a family. 
um, having some really good heart-to-heart -heart family discussions. What has been working during this time? What hasn't? Especially as the time in some states is just continuing. I mean, we're still very much locked down here in California. So we, and, and the way to do that is to have a consistent family time, right? So we, at Challenge Success, we talk about playtime, downtime, family time. And everyone says family time. We're just, it's 24 seven family time here. No, 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 no. We mean intentional family time, family dinners, family chores, family game nights or Zoom parties or whatever it is, what, whatever is going to work, but, but a consistent check-in so that when you do have those moments of tension, you have this consistent check-in already built in where you can say, okay, tonight's dinner, we need a family discussion because it's, this isn't working. Right. I remember when I spoke with you last time and you were talking about family time and we were just missing the mark just with all the activities our kids have and multiple kids. And I don't think during this COVID-19 time, we have had more family dinners than I think that we have in my kids' entire lives. And sometimes I remember reading some research about how sometimes it's just a matter of having all the people around the table. It doesn't have to, I think that was my feeling is like, well, this really isn't going well. We should just scratch it, you know, but that just the mere act of sitting around the table together is useful and serves everyone. Right. And that's, and it's real life that not everyone's going to be happy, happy, happy all the time. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be some, somebody gets offended at a dinner or someone is upset and it's not kumbaya, but the good and the bad together, right? That it shows that you stick through it and you are a unit that's there for each other. So the reason why family time is a protective factor is because everyone in the family knows that they're part of a unit where everyone has each other's back. It's not going to be happy, happy, perfect all the time. There's going to be fights. There's going to be disagreements. But this is your home base, and it's mm -hmm. a safe place for you to come back to um, where you are unconditionally loved. Yes. And, and that's why it works. Yes. That's why I love research when it, it sort of validates, like, it doesn't have to go that great. Good. Okay. <laughs> <Check. You. laughs> so what about, are you seeing any, I mean, clearly no one would wish for the circumstances we're in right now, but what are some of the silver linings that you're seeing in, in your work, in your community, um, with the schools that you're Well, one thing with? is that, one thing you just mentioned is we are seeing family time and, and people who really used to drive kids to hockey and fly kids to another state to play their sport and um, go out for book clubs and never really have family dinner or, or a break during the day. Um, people whose commutes have changed, right? Now we see much more time for families to be together. That's a huge silver lining. Kids are telling us that they're sleeping more. Teens are getting more sleep. This is huge, right? Because they don't have to commute because they are, um, no, they don't have so many extracurriculars so they can fit time in for homework and whatnot. And, um, and so we know that sleep is so important for teens and you might finally be seeing your real teenager, like your teenager on real sleep, as opposed to your constantly sleep, uh, sleep deprived kid. So that's another silver lining. I think we are seeing a newfound appreciation for teachers and for schools and the role they play, right? I mean, we always kind of knew schools were good, but I think people are realizing, oh my gosh, they're, they're daycare, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're food providers, they're um, 
um, doing a huge service that we can't do. And I think that's, that's hitting home really clearly right now. And even though it's a sad one, I do think a silver lining is that people are recognizing the inequities and, and realizing just how important it is to uh, have, you know, internet available for all, have um, uh, really work to fight some of the, the systemic, um, systemic parts of society that are impoverishing some and, and, and others not, and, and working to get that achievement gap at least reduced, if not eradicated. Yeah. What do you, in, in, I think there are a lot of people who want to do more to help within that right now, and especially with the isolation. And are there, are there things that you have come across that you would suggest for people who want to be more involved to, in communities that might be struggling more with this? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are many, many communities that are arranging service opportunities, particularly service opportunities that kids can even do where you don't even have to leave your house. And then there's some that you would need to leave your house, but maybe it's just outside and not inside a warehouse, something like that. So I'll give some examples of service that families have done. Even um, kids reaching out virtually to neighbors or elderly people and teaching them how to you know, set up an account and get onto Zoom and, and be able to FaceTime with their families, right? It's a great service that, that mm -hmm. teens can do, particularly because the kids have the knowledge way more than, than you or I even have the knowledge For sure. to help them. Um, and it teaches them some patience. Um, we have kids who are going around neighborhoods and do, leaving uh, chalk drawings or, or little trinkets that, of rocks that say positive things on them, right? Little things that, that kids can do to cheer up a neighborhood. Um, little things that kids can do to build connections between neighbors or reach out to a friend who they haven't heard from or are worried about. Reach out to a kid in your class who you know probably doesn't have a lot of buddies um, who are watching movies with them online, right? Mm -hmm. So there's some nice things that, that teens can do. Um, virtual tutoring is very big. Um, offering to sort of virtually babysit for a teacher that has little kids maybe when you know it's, you're not in class and then there's some things that as communities certainly with the food scarcity right now figuring out how to get um, communities to leave bags of food on their porches and have a healthy person come and pick it up and and distribute it we know that um, teens are allowed to work um, in some states uh, helping to distribute food um, here in California, it was all no touch outside, so relatively safe, you know, depending on what your rules are um, to, to get that food delivered. The people came in cars and, and uh, popped their trunk and you put the bag in. So I, I would say we know that service is a huge way to help people cope and feel like they're making a difference and allow them to feel better. So it's a win-win on both sides. So if you can think of what you could do as a family, um, that offers service, big, small, everything in between. It's really good. Yeah. Well, and I, I realized early on, I didn't even have the capacity. So I give a shout out to people who had capacity to help right away. I feel like I was in such shock that I'm, I didn't have the, the energy, I guess, to, or the, the levelness to do that, but I'm feeling stronger now. And I think, again, it sort of ebbs and flows. Um, but I think that when we are feeling on that upside, like it's an opportunity to use that energy in a positive way. Um, 
one of the things that I'm noticing too, and I don't know if you've seen any of this. So Texas, where I am, we're coming up on summer now. And so I hit a little funk before, you know, right when that was starting to settle in because it was the next sort of grieving period that this is not going to be our typical summer. What are you hearing from people about ways? I mean, you feel like you, I feel like we've already been on some weird summer already. What are you telling people about? I I kind of, I feel inclined to want to keep my kids, you know, mentally connected to things, especially since we're probably going to be home. We're not going to be out collecting shells, you know? Right. No, the funk is real. The funk is real. Mm-hmm. I, the, the presentations I've been doing with communities lately is, um, okay, we made it through this period. And now that we look ahead, summer camps are not an option for many people. And I felt like if I could just get to summer and I, you know, then we'd be okay. And now it's many, in many places, it's more of the same of what they've been doing. And it's been a real struggle and they still have their work obligations and they still have kids who need to be entertained, but now there's no school. <laughs> there's no, you can't even use the excuse of go do your homework or go mm-hmm. read that, that, that uh, history book. So uh, we've been helping people think of ideas for summer. Actually on the Challenge Success website in a few days, we're gonna put up a whole bunch of summer suggestions oh, wonderful. for people, um, for, for kids of different ages. We are seeing, um, you know, lots of ways to think about how might you use this newfound time in ways that you couldn't do even during remote learning. Like, you know, what have you always been curious about and you've never had time to do? Maybe you want to go reread another book series and compare it to the movies. Maybe you want to um, go explore NASA because right now NASA has these free online resources. I mean, museums and zoos and aquariums and all these places have all these free resources now available. And kids, sort of like you, were, were maybe in shock and had school on their mind. Now you can really sit down and say, where do you want to go deep? What do you want to mm-hmm. do? Let's use this time. There's all these free classes and free stuff. And it's okay if they say, really, I just want to like ride my bike around the neighborhood and leave me alone. That's okay too. But there's going to be a time where they're sitting around or it's a rainy day and you can do a nice little nudge. You know, mm-hmm. we've got kids te- teaching themselves how to play musical instruments. We've got kids teaching themselves new languages. I mean, that, that takes a lot of discipline. Um, we've got kids who are reading for pleasure where they just haven't had time to do that. And there are ways to actually make money as a teen this summer, right? There, the, the, some of the, the virtual tutoring and the virtual babysitting, some of that is actually paid, right? There are a ton of get out the vote campaigns, right? This is an election year, no matter what side you're on. Everybody wants you to help get out the vote and you have knowledge of social media and computers and technologies that they don't. So, so there, is a, a, there are a lot of things that teens can do. You can also offer to do your own little mini summer camp for the neighborhood if if you know if parents are up for it and everybody's bubble allows for it um which would be a huge service to people um i know teens are making money mowing lawns um uh, you know kind of gardeners have gone out of business or whatnot and um washing cars and coming up with sort of old-fashioned services that we just have been taking for granted so um this is a time to to get creative about summer but yes there is the funk is real I think for parents and kids, it's like, wow, this is going to be really different. Okay, 
what can we do? Right. Um, and I just, yeah. I almost want to put that out there because I, I know not everybody's at that point yet where it's coming up on summer, summer just because of longer school time. And honestly, it caught me off guard. I was like, what is this? Why? And then I, I didn't even realize it was because of summer, you know, that yeah. this is the new terrain. And, well, um, and, and the grieving is real, right? I mean, we, we look forward to summer in so many ways. If you're a kid, you look forward to traditions. If you're a family, you look forward to traditions or vacations or whatnot. Even just having a break from the busy school day and extracurriculars is, is something to look forward to. And now, you know, people are struggling with what to look forward to and you can't do your normal summer. So can you go camping in the backyard? Can you make an awesome, you know, s'mores kind of fire pit, whatever, um, recreate some of those camp traditions at home. There's, there's a lot of grieving and a lot of loss to be recognized and people feel guilty because they say, well, other people's families are in the hospital or losing or dying. And we're just bummed that we're missing summer camp, but it is okay for you to say to your kids, yeah, that's, that's a loss and it's okay to grieve. And, you know, I was listening to Brene Brown's podcast. Do you ever listen to that? Oh, I love it. It's the best, but um, she was talking about, and I don't know if this idea originated with her, but about comparative suffering and how sometimes we can get caught in that of like, well, I don't have it that bad, but yet it doesn't feel good. And just to acknowledge that I've noticed with myself, the more I fight it, the longer it seems to last. And if I can just kind of say, okay, come on in, we'll, we'll deal with this and knowing that it'll pass. Um, but it does, it comes and goes and sometimes in unexpected ways. It's hard. And I have good days and bad days and uh, just like the rest of us. And it, and, and that is absolutely okay. Mm-hmm. And I kind of warn my family, right? Like I'm at a two out of five today, probably because I didn't go for a walk, probably because it's raining or whatever it is, or right. I'm super busy or I'm, I have a deadline. So I'm going to do something that'll, you know, let's, 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 let's do something to try and get through that. Yes. So have you heard anything or have you been a part of any conversations about what will be happening in the fall? Yes. Yes. What are you hearing or what are you hoping or what? I don't know if this is confidential intel. (laughs) No, no, it's not confidential. Um, We are working with a bunch of schools that are reaching out and saying, what are some best practices? this is new territory for everyone, right? We, we pride ourselves on being research-based. There's not research that we can kind of go back to and say, oh, here's what you should do. So we have schools that have all different plans in place. And it really depends, again, on what region you are in the country. I think some, I actually, I think Texas said that schools, summer schools can reopen with proper social distancing, right? So it depends on where you are. But what we know is this will not, school in the fall will not look the same as when you left it in February, right? There, there will be changes. You may see people wearing masks. You may see kids wearing masks and teachers. You may be home for certain days um, and in school for certain days, depending on how they can spread people out. Schools can't fit everyone there all at the same time. So there will likely be some form of remote learning, in-school learning, people spread out, certain traditions will change, sporting events, some extracurriculars, et cetera. But everyone realizes the importance of trying to get kids back, back in with their friends, with their teachers in some way, shape or form. It may not be every day, 
Um, I read, uh, you know, some people are talking about morning and afternoon shifts or one week on, one week at home or every other day or, you know, so we've heard all sorts of plans depending on um, when the virus comes back and if they can figure out a way to safely get everybody in, in those buildings. Um, it may be that the teachers stay home because they're more vulnerable, the older teachers. And so then you've got new technology set up in the classroom where the kids are there and maybe there's a teacher's aide or a TA, but the teacher might be home. So we've heard every, you know, one superintendent I talked to said she has 10, 10 plans on her desk, like huge spreadsheets, just, and, and that's hard. Um, and also the thing to remember across the country, schools are facing economic issues, just like other businesses. Schools get their money from taxes. People who you know, are facing economic difficulties, that tax revenue is not gonna be there. So there may be a whole bunch of things schools have to do just because of monetary changes and not just because of the virus. Mm. Okay. It's, it's, I know it's a lot, it's a lot to process, but I, I also just, I'm so thankful for the people who are doing all of this work because it's, it's huge. And I think it points to what you talked about earlier about how we're realizing how much the educational system holds up our entire economy, lifestyles, everything. And um, I was reading something about how people, I, I think this was in Texas, but about how people are like, let's get, we need to get the economy back going, but we're not going to start school. Well, how do you, what, what do we do with these children we have here? You know, and it's, it's really, people have had to make a lot of twists and turns to, to keep it rolling. And it's, it's tough. So I'm yeah. very thankful for all the planning and I don't know, it's a lot. It's a lot. And, and the two, the economy and schooling are absolutely intertwined, right? And so whatever plans we've got to figure out, it's got to go together. So if it's a week on and a week off, then you've got to work with your company to, to match your week on with, you know, maybe that's when you go in and maybe you're home with your kids on their week off. And, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of logistics, but as we've said all along, Everybody has the best interests in mind. Mm -hmm. People are really trying to be flexible when they can. Um, and if your work can't be flexible, you have to let the school know. You have to reach out and they will bend over backwards to help you and your family and your kids. Everybody wants what's best for the kids. Yeah, and that's what's been so, I've appreciated so much is that there's, here are some expectations. And if you can't do them, that's also okay. You know, and honestly, I hope that's something that kind of continues, not to let kids just, do whatever they want, but just kind of, we understand maybe there's a family hardship or maybe there's something else going on and, and we're going to take that into account so that your child doesn't feel shame from their own performance based on the bigger picture of what's going on in your home. Right. Yeah. I think it's so important. It's actually, we, we've been talking to kids about what's been working and what hasn't been working to share some lessons back with these districts that are asking us for, for ideas. And that's absolutely one that came up loud and clear over and over they so appreciate the flexibility and they hope that that continues not just because of the pandemic but because they've always been in need of flexible due dates and flexibility and 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 teachers understanding you have a big big soccer tournament this week it might not be the best 
uh, time for you to turn in your paper or take your, your calculus test. And if there's ways that we can build in more flexibility when we go back to normal, right? We're kind of saying, we don't want to go back to normal. We, we want a, a, a much healthier new normal that comes out of some of these lessons. And the kids are saying flexibility needs to stay in, in whatever way we can make it happen without people taking advantage of the system, flexibility needs to stay. Yeah, I agree. So one of the last questions I have for you is just if you have sort of a touchstone practice that you've been implementing to sort of feel grounded throughout this experience. I know I do, and sometimes I do it, and sometimes I don't, but. <laughs> so I, last summer, last June, um, got a concussion. And it, it put me, uh, I, I lost last summer, basically. I was home, I was having all sorts of dizziness, I couldn't get out of bed, things were really quite bad. And I'm grieving because now I'm, I feel like I'm losing another summer. Mm. But the one thing that helped me, and I, am, I, I know the research on this, I've been telling people to do this, but I had never really practiced it myself, is meditation. And it sounds hippy-dippy and it sounds hard. And what the doctor who was helping me get through the concussion basically said to me is, if you can take five minutes twice a day to just sit with your eyes closed and breathe, your brain will recover more quickly. And I, I, just, I just couldn't believe it, I couldn't believe it. And I started to do it and it was literally the only thing that got me through while I was dealing with the concussion symptoms. And right now during the pandemic, I need to meditate. I need to, to get my brain to turn off. I need to close my eyes. I need to sit quietly. I need to focus on what I'm grateful for and listen to my breathing. And that's all it is. There's no, I don't use fancy tapes or apps or you, you can, there's nothing wrong with that. But literally just being quiet and focusing on your breathing, closing your eyes, giving everything a rest, five minutes twice a day. It, it's really how I get through. I feel like this, I keep getting the same, same answer and I feel like I need to go for it and try it because I've, I've done it a couple times, but I haven't made it a consistent practice. And it's interesting because I keep, like you were saying, you hear about these things, but it's until like the rubber meets the road and you're like, what was that meditation thing you were talking about? I need it. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I think we all kind of like, this is the time to use these things we've been hearing about because we need it. Um, yeah, I love sure. that. I love that. And that's, somebody else was telling me that too, like a, a, a wake up practice meditation and an evening practice that if you, if you put them at the beginning of the day and the end of the day, it seems to have the most effectiveness. Well, it's easier to be consistent, right? Like I have, I have one other little baby thing that I'll share, which is a gratitude practice that I was, I knew I should do a gratitude practice, but I wasn't going to write in a journal and I kept forgetting and I didn't have time. So a friend of mine said, anytime you take a shower, start that'll be your cue start with being grateful for hot water and a shower and so literally if you do it enough times when you get in the shower you it becomes a habit and now every time i get in the shower i i can do my little one to two minute of gratitude practice and i start with hot water and a shower and then i start thinking of other things i'm grateful for during this pandemic you know food shelter having old enough kids who don't bang on my door when I'm trying to do Zoom calls, right? But it becomes like this habit and, and you do it, you know, 15, 30 times in a row and now your brain just goes to it automatically. So that's, that's the kind of thing that you want to try to build in that it becomes almost habit to do these positive coping strategies. And it's not easy. 
No, but you know what? We have the time now that we maybe didn't have before. Like I used to wake up to the alarm and like, and, and I know I could set my alarm earlier, which I know many people do, but I wake up to the alarm because it's already really early and, um, and I'm going, you know? So it, now I have a little bit of that cushion to create a new routine that right. hopefully I can carry forward. And they're short. You. It's so short. It's, it's so crazy. short. Five I minutes. Know. It's literally five minutes. Yes. All right. I'm going to do it. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. And I, I promise you, I say, I say your name and challenge success to many people. And because I think it's just really when people start to spiral, it, it's such a good way to pull yourself back. It's like a, it's like almost a mindfulness, like centering practice to say, okay, because I think we all can be guilty of, you know, starting to spiral and, and like, well, what about this? And what about that? And it just kind of like, let me challenge that for a second. What, what are some other ways of thinking about it? So thank you so much for your work. I appreciate it. You are welcome. Always fun to talk with you, Megan. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the family brain. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a friend or leave a review or rating that helps other people find the show. And you can check us out online, familybrainpodcast.com or on Instagram, Family Brain Podcast. We also have a Facebook group and that just helps me connect with all of you. And you can send me ideas for shows or comments. And thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.